included. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ezra, not Ezra, Ezra. I'll give you a moment to find that. Ezra, a lot of folks don't turn there, probably a lot, but Ezra, chapter 4. ministered to, and at the time we come into this story, the Israelites had been in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. They'd been in captivity for 70 years. Um, Now, 40 years before they went into captivity, for 40 years, think of this, God had Jeremiah, the prophet, pleading with the people, pleading with the people, pleading with them. And he did everything that he knew to do. He, 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 with tears in his eyes, he'd plead with the people. And then other times there was just fire in his mouth. He'd just come out and fire and preach to the people. And he, he did everything much like what Pastor Diane was doing up here this morning and what I did last week about, you know, being cold and just sharing Jesus. And, uh, you know, you just plead with the people and you get down on your hands and knees and, and beg them to listen. You pound the pulpit to get them to listen. You cry. You do whatever you can. But for 40 years, God had the prophet Jeremiah dealing with the people and, and they didn't listen. They, they, they didn't listen. And so eventually the hand of God came up off of him, his protecting hand, and and the Babylonians came in, and, and the people of God went into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Now, when we come into this story, this 70-year period had ended, and now they were going back into Israel and, and so on, into Jerusalem, etc., and they were rebuilding and rebuild, and uh, they were ready to rebuild, um, and they'd been in captivity for... 70 years they were ready to, to rebuild. And notice here in verse 4, wouldn't it been nice if they would have listened to the man of God and then had to go in captivity for 70 years? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if they would have listened? But they didn't listen. So now that 70 years of judgment had ended, and now it was time to rebuild. And we see here in Ezra chapter 4, verse 4, the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. So now the the people of Judah, the people of God are ready to rebuild, but notice the people of the land tried to what? Tried to what? Discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building. And look at this, and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. Hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. We could say it this way. They hired discouragers against them to frustrate their purpose. Titling this message today, Discouraged. Discouraged, wondering if you're discouraged in some area of your life. Is there some area that you're discouraged in? These people were ready to build. And it seems like whenever we get ready to do something for the Lord, whenever we get ready to obey Him, 
that the devil will always have people there to discourage us, to try to frustrate us in what we feel we're supposed to do for God. And in this case here, they hired discouragers to frustrate the people's purpose. Have you ever felt like, you know, there were people in your lives, you almost feel like people were paying them to come in and discourage you. Has anybody ever felt like that besides me? These people, I mean, they must be they must be on somebody's payroll, you know. Uh, somebody that doesn't like me, they must be on the, their payroll, on the devil's payroll, you know, to try to discourage me and frustrate me in my purpose and frustrate me in what God's told me to do. So talking today about dealing with discouragement, perhaps you're here today and you're discouraged in an area of health, health. Maybe your health has been under attack. Tell you what, that, that's an area you can really, really get discouraged in, you know. And uh, maybe there's a loved one that's that's been attacked in their health. You know, it's one thing to deal with, you know, uh, a lack of health in your own body, but then when you see it in a loved one, you know, it can bother you just as bad, and in some ways it's even worse. Maybe your child is dealing with health issues. You're discouraged. Relationships. Maybe your marriage isn't going the way you want it to go or some other relationship that you have. Or maybe your job has been frustrated. Maybe you feel like on your job that there's people there that the, that the devil has hired to discourage you. Or maybe you feel like your boss is on the devil's payroll and, <laughs> and he, you know your boss is just making life miserable for you. you know? I remember when I did my student teaching years and years ago when I was studying to be a high school math teacher. Individual that I got assigned uh, as my supervising, you know, my supervisor as a student teacher. I mean, I thought for sure that woman was on the devil's payroll. You know, there was she made my life for six months just absolutely miserable and very discouraged, uh, very discouraged to the point that she called me on the phone after I taught my first class. First class. You know, anytime somebody does something the first time, they're not going to be as good at it as they are if you give them a little practice and give them a little chance. Is that right? And I remember I taught my first class, and things didn't go so well. And she called me that night, and she said, you have no future in teaching. You have no teaching ability whatsoever. I would recommend doing something else with your life. Now, that'll cheer you up, won't it? That'll cheer you up real fast. I think this lady was getting was on the devil's payroll discouraged me very, very much so, but we stuck with it, thank God. Maybe you're discouraged in your finances. Maybe you're, dis maybe you're discouraged in the fact that you've had some goals that have not been attained yet, some expectations on your life that have not come to pass yet. Maybe you have children that aren't living for the Lord. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you're just at a place in your life where you just can't see the end, the light at the end of the tunnel. Anybody in here, has, have you ever been in one of these places, or maybe you are in one of these places now? Certainly, if you live life any length of time, you'll have something or other to deal with that's on this list or something else. How to deal with discouragement. What would I tell you? What would, I, what would my advice be to tell you to how to deal with discouragement? First of all, first thing, three things, three things. First thing, stay in the local church. Stay hooked up to a local church. Stay in the local church. Stay hooked up to the local church. 
wherever it is God's told you to be, that's where you need to be. I've said it before. I've said it for 20 years. Don't you pick your church. You let God pick your church. Did you hear me? You let God pick your pastor. You, you go with the leading of the Holy Spirit on the inside and, and let him pick where you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be sitting under and who you're supposed to be hooked up with. Because you see, it's in the local church that you'll find, if you're where God wants you to be, you'll find encouragement. Notice you're in Ezra chapter 4. Let's look at Ezra chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Notice these people were discouraged. There were people hired to discourage them. But notice here in Ezra chapter 5, verse 1, Then the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophets, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel who was over them. So Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Yeshua, the son of Zodiac, however you say that, notice, they rose up and began to build the house of God which is in Jerusalem. So they began to build the house of God. And notice this, the prophets of God were with them helping them. You see, the, the ministers, in this case prophets, see the people were discouraged. They had come out of Babylonian captivity. They were ready now to obey God. They were ready now to build and, 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 and do what was on their hearts from God to do. And, of course, uh, people had been hired to discourage them, but they stuck close to the men of God. They stuck close to the, to the ministers, to the prophets. They stuck close to the preachers, you see. And as a result, notice it says right here, the prophets of God were with them, helping. Everybody say helping them, helping them. See, that's what a minister ought to do, is help you. We're here to help you, not hurt you. We're here to lift you up, not, not beat you down. We're here to help you. And that's what any real man of God is in the business of doing, is helping folks. And so they stuck with the men of God, and they were helped. Notice in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Notice this. It says, He himself, this is talking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Talking about ministers there. And notice what he gave them for. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, notice this, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Or we could say it this way, for the encouraging of the body of Christ. So one of the main functions of a minister one of the main functions of a minister is to encourage the body of Christ. Now, anybody that's listened to me any length of time knows that there's more to the role of a minister than just encouraging people. I've said this so many times, if all a minister ever does is encourage, and that's all they do 100% of the time, and, and a minister never, ever, never stands in the pulpit and, and challenges people with the word of God, then I question whether that minister is really sent from the presence of God. But having said that, I do think that one of the chief roles, one of the major roles that any minister should play is that of an encourager of the people of God, an encourager of the body of Christ. I need to be standing here telling you that you can do what God's told you to do. You are well able to do what God's told you to do, and you can do it if, if you'll be faithful. You see what I'm saying? See, I, that, that, that's what we're here to do, encourage you and lift you up and build you up. And when you leave, 
you know, Sundays as you come and come and go, as you leave on Sunday morning, you ought to be encouraged when you leave. You ought to feel built up when you leave. Can anybody say amen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there are those Sundays where, you know, you know, where, where the Lord's leading us to maybe step on your toes if it's being led of the Spirit of God and done in the right way, then, you know, you might leave with your toes stepped on, but, but be that as it may, still, if, it's, if, if correction is brought forth in the right way, you know, then, then even though your toes might be stepped on, you know, you're going to be better if you listen to what the, what the minister was saying from the Word of God. Even though your toes got stepped on, you know, you're still going to be better off in the end. Do you understand what I'm saying? But by and large, a minister ought to be encouraging people and lifting people up, and that's what we endeavor to do with this. Notice in Acts, the 15th chapter, in the 32nd verse, I'm going to read this from the NIV, Acts 15, 32, NIV, notice says, Judas and Silas. Now these, the Bible says, were prophets. And notice here, they, did, does the Bible say they said, and you can see it on the screen, does, does it say they said much or they said little? They said what? They said much to what? To encourage and strengthen the brothers, our ancestors, the body of Christ. They Notice they said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. So we trust that we'll, and have said, and will continue to say, much to encourage the brothers. we got so much to be thankful for. <laughs> said much. And not only are the ministers, the pastor, whoever's supposed to be encouraging you, but notice Hebrews 10.25. Notice Hebrews 10.25. Again, I'll read this in the NIV. Notice this. It says, let us not give up meeting together. I think the King James says it. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Or we could, could put it in my words, is be a regular attender of the local church. Don't, don't stop that. Don't lay out of church. Don't stop that. As the manner are, as some are in the manner or habit of doing. Okay? But why? Well, let's read on. Let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day, day of judgment approaching. See, I shouldn't be the only one that's giving encouragement to you when you come to church, but you all ought to be encouraging one another. Did, did you hear me? I mean, everybody ought to be encouraging one another in some way, shape, form, or fashion, you know. It's so important. It's so important. There's people here that need to be encouraged. And one way they'll get encouraged is through what I'm saying up here from the Word of God, but there's another facet to it, and it's a part that you have to play in encouraging one another. Did you hear what it just said? It's a ministry all of us have, is that of encourager. We need to encourage other one another, other Christians and believers. Okay? So stay in church. Stay in church. Stay under the, the Word of God. Stay, stay where you're supposed to be. And then we need to encourage one another. Now then, 
Here's the second thing we need to do to deal with encouragement. What do you think? First is stay encouraged. Second is encourage yourself. You need to learn to encourage yourself. I found out and learned this a long time ago that, uh, you know, thank God for the pastor. Thank God for the people of God. But sometimes, a lot of times during the week, they're not around. I mean, during the week, I'm not there with you. Your fellow brothers and sisters aren't there with you. So you need to learn to encourage yourself. You need to learn to encourage yourself. Notice in 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to read this from the King James Version. It's 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. It came to pass when David, this is King David, and his men were come to Ziglag. On the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag had smitten and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire. Not a good thing. And had taken the women captive that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. Think about that. Did you get what just happened? David and his men, their wives and children were taken captive. Maybe not unlike some of those things you saw in that video this morning that happens in Iraq with women, children taken captive. Verse 3, so David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons and daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Has, has anybody ever been there besides me? where you wept and you were so discouraged and wept and wept and wept till you just had no more power to weep. It just seemed like you're all cried out and no tears to cry. And David's two wives were taken captive and their names were listed there. And notice verse 6, And David was, does the Bible say he was distressed or greatly distressed? Bible doesn't use words or play with words. He wasn't just distressed, he was greatly distressed. Anybody ever been greatly distressed? Oh, horrible place to be. Horrible, horrible, horrible place to be. And then it says here, the Bible says, for the people spoke of stoning David. Think about that, his own men. It's bad enough that he's saddened by what happened to his family. But now his men, some of his closest associates, people that are loyal to him, are speaking of stoning him. I mean, that's when bad, that's when bad goes to work. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But notice this, what did David do? David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You're going to have to learn to do that. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God because the pastor won't always be there. Your fellow brothers and sisters won't always be there with you. But you're always there with you. Learn to encourage yourself. Build yourself up. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. One of the um, things that... Uh, Realize the devil watches us. Demons watch us, and they know how to they know how to how to get our number a lot of times. You need to realize that. And and the devil will discourage different people 
where your weak spot is. You need to realize that. Doesn't the Bible say that if we do not understand how the enemy operates against us, we'll be at a disadvantage? You need to realize that. You need to understand that the devil, he's our enemy, and he will watch, watch you over time. He knows where your weak spots are. You know, he doesn't tempt everybody with the same thing. You need to realize that. You know, some people, you know, they're not they're not bothered in the area of sexual sin, but they're bothered in the area of, of, of maybe overeating. Do you realize that? Some people, they, you know, they don't have a problem with glazed donuts, but they have a problem with, and the, you know, with maybe looking at women that they shouldn't look at. You understand what I'm saying? And so the devil knows where we're weak, and so he'll hit us in, in those areas. He knows he knows where the area that, that, that you're weakest in as far as being discouraged, and he'll come and work with work on you in that area. How does he do that? Through thought? Through thought. And I know in, in, in my area, a lot of times, one, one of the areas that he hits me in is, is looking at all that I don't have. Well, you don't have this, you don't have that, you don't have the other, you don't have, you don't have. And so, what are we talking about? Encouraging ourselves in the Lord. And so what I've learned to do, and, 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 and what I do is I go to Hebrews 13.5. You can turn there. This is what I do. I'll read this in the King James Version, just showing you what I do. When the devil hits me in an area where I'm weak and starts pointing out all the stuff that I don't have, then we go to Hebrews 13.5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. The first thing I do is I do my very best not to start talking about all the things I don't have. I just, I've learned over the years, I'm doing better. You can ask my wife, I'm doing a lot better. Just shut my mouth. Just don't, just don't start listing off everything I don't have. Say nothing. And then the Bible says, be content with such things as you have. So what I have to do is I have to start looking at everything I do have and don't look at all the things I don't have. You need you, you understand? That's how I encourage myself. And so, you know, uh, I, I start thinking about, well, you know, I, I, you know, my dad died when I was seven. There's nothing I can do about that. But, but I don't I don't camp on that. I think about I, I had and still have a good mom. Was was brought up very well. I did have that. I think about I've got a great wife. What, who, who more could I want than this lady that sits here on the front row? I've got a good wife, you know. And, 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 you know, all my needs have been met. You know that there's not one time in my life, not one time that I've ever had to wonder where the next meal's coming from. Not one time in my life have I ever wondered if I was going to be able to pay the, pay the bills that I needed to pay. Not one time. Isn't that wonderful? You see... I start thinking on the things that I do have, you know, I have, 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 a, have a nice church, have a nice people in the church, have a nice home, you know, I start thinking on the things I do have, and, 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 and I tell you what, start thinking on what you do have instead of listing what you don't have, and it, 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 I, by the time I get done, I'm beginning to feel better, it cheers me up, it encourages me that I have a lot to be thankful for, you see, and that's what I've learned to do. But before I did that, over the years, I tell you what, you just start listening. Well, I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have this. I, I, I do have this, but I wish it was better. I have that, but I wish it was better. 
And by the time you get going through all the stuff you don't have and how bad it is, my goodness gracious, it's down in the mouth. I remember, I, I'm, I'm a whole lot better today than I, than I used to be. When I was a kid, and, and over many years, I guess just in the last years, I've, I've been able to get better at this, but I was, I was so bad as a kid, I'm talking about on the, on the Little League Baseball, that, you know, I was convinced we were going to lose the game before we ever had the first pitch. And it was so bad that I remember the, the uh, coach of the team would have to separate me because I was a catcher. He'd have to separate me, and he, he'd tell me. He said, you go sit over there. Just stay away from these other, other players of yours that are playing with you, your teammates. Just stay away from them. I said, why? You know, I thought he was being mean to me. He said, no. He said, you're so down in the mouth, and, and, and you're going to discourage all these other guys, and, and you're beat before we ever get out there. We don't have a chance. If, if I let you get around them, they, they're gonna, you're going to rub off on them, you see. And, and, and I tell you what, you know, he was right. And so I've had to learn over the years not to be down in the mouth and, and discourage, but encourage, and, and I encourage myself. And I'll tell you right now, you need to stay away from people that are always down in the mouth. You know, you need to stay away from those people and do the best you can to stay away from them. Yeah, but I work right in the next cubicle to somebody that's always down in the mouth. Well, then just let, let what they say, go. you heard, go in one ear and go out the other. Let it come in one side of the cubicle and go out the other and don't let it get caught your head in between. Can you say amen? Remember, I think the devil sends people out. He sent them out against the people we started reading about today just to discourage them. So stay in the local church. Stay under a, a, a pastor that God has called you to. Do that. Stay around people of like faith that are that will encourage you and build you up, you see. And then learn to encourage yourself. Find out. Know where you're weak. Know where the devil hits you. And then go get some scriptures. Like I just gave you one example. There's some other areas that, 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 that he hits me in. But this is one of the areas. Get you a good scripture. And then when the devil starts coming at you with those thoughts, then just rise up and start quoting the word of God. And in my case, don't quote everything I don't have. Quote what I do have, you see. You understand that? It'll help you. And then and then notice he said right here, last thing he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Isn't that wonderful that God said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee? I mean, we all ought to be able to get encouraged over that. Is that right? If you can't get encouraged over that, then I don't know. Then I guess you're just maybe all, almost beyond help. But I tell you what, I'm encouraged that the Lord said that he will never leave me nor forsake me so we can be encouraged on that. Is that right? Stay in the local church, encourage yourself, and then finally, it hooks right on to what we just talked about, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Finally, and perhaps maybe most importantly, look to God in the time of discouragement. Look to God. Look to God. Notice here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, we'll read this in the New King James Version. Let's look at Paul. 2 Timothy 4, verse 9. Paul says to Timothy, he says, Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas hath forsaken me. Now, you need to realize Demas was a ministry partner of Paul's. Served with him very closely in ministry. Served by his side. But here he says, Demas hath forsaken me. Have you ever had somebody forsake you? 
somebody that you thought was a trusted friend, somebody that you thought was loyal, somebody, loyal to you, somebody that you really had confidence in, and they took all that out. That, that's, a, that's a horrible feeling. That's a horrible, that's a loner. Oh, such a loner, discouraged feeling. Just horrible. Demas has forsaken me. Why did he forsake it? Having loved this present world. Didn't want to do what God wanted done. Didn't want to serve God anymore. So he, he walked away from Paul. He departed for Thessalonica. And then he talks about Crescens here for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Then he says, only Luke is with me. Well, thank God he had Luke. He said, get Mark, bring him with you, for he's useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. He says, bring the cloak that I left uh, with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. I wonder why he was after those parchments, because they were the word of God. Bring me the word of God. Bring me the word of God. See, when you're down and discouraged, bring me the parchment. Bring me the word of God. That's what we need when we're discouraged is the word of God. But especially the parchments. Bring me the, especially bring me the word of God. And then he says this, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. This is perhaps, again, perhaps a man possibly, you could make argument on either side that served with Paul. You could make an argument on the other side that he was never for Paul, he was against him. But in any case, he did me much harm. Did you ever have anybody do you much harm? You do anything for God any length of time, you're going to have people do you some harm. You need to realize that. Sometimes they do it unbeknownst to them. They just do it unbeknownst. Sometimes they do it on purpose. But he did me much harm. And then he says, may the Lord repay him according to his work. So we see Paul's just as human as you, and the Lord's just paying back according to their work. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our word. And then look at verse 16. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. That's a lonely place to be. That's a lonely place to be. He said, at my first defense, no one stood with me. Think about that. The great apostle Paul. He said, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. Think about that. I've never been there. I've never had everybody forsake me. Never have I been there. But this man was there. This man has probably been to a depth that maybe none of us have ever been to. Think of that. No one stood with me. There he was doing the will of God. There he was right in the middle of the will of God doing what God told him to do. And he looked around and there was nobody with him. Everybody forsook him. There's a little bit different attitude towards these people. May it not be charged against them. Only thing I can conclude, why would he say this about this group and, and concerning Alexander the coppersmith and repaying to his, uh, according to his work? The only, the only comment I can make is perhaps Alexander was doing something on purpose and maybe these other people were just being human and just human nature just, you know, they took the easy way out. They didn't really want Paul around and they were just, But be that as it may, he was a low testimony. 
good works. All forsake. But the Lord. Realize, say, but the Lord. Come on, say, but the Lord. One more time, but the Lord. This is, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, encouraged me. Can anybody say praise God? I tell you, when everybody walks away, when everybody leaves you, even if the pastor leaves you and all the church people leave you, and even if you're a little low on dis- on encouraging yourself, there's somebody that's not going to ever leave you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. His name is Jesus. Glory to God. And I tell you what, we can always count on him and look to him because he'll always be there in the midnight hour. Look to him and he'll strengthen you. He'll encourage you. He'll lift you up. And he'll help you. Can you say amen? Stand with me if you would. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, right before Brian comes and closes up the service, the psalmist said this. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why should you be so disquieted within me? Hope in God and wait expectantly for him. For I shall yet praise him. Who is the help of my countenance? It is my God. Maybe you're here today and you're cast down. The psalmist cast down. And he said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? And in that moment of discouragement, the psalmist said, I will hope in God and I'll wait expectantly for him. If you're disquieted today for whatever the reason, if you're discouraged today for whatever the reason, I want to encourage you. I'm for you. My wife's for you. This church, we're for you. We're not against you. We're for you. We're here to help you. God, most importantly, is there. Hope in Him. Don't ever quit hoping in Him, no matter how bad it looks. With God, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Hope in Him. Wait on Him. Maybe the answer to your problem, it may not come when you think it should come. It may not come the way you think it should come. But with God, if you'll wait on him and trust in him, the encouragement will come. The answer will come. So what I what do I do in the meantime, Pastor Terry, what the psalmist did? He said, yet I will praise him. In the midst of your discouragement, praise God. Worship him. Honor 